This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> uh, the other thing about Verlander and Scherzer, after they were meeting the media, the opening day question was brought up. It was also brought up to Balk. We'll address that. I think it was Scherzer who said this. And if it was Verlander, I apologize. One of them said in terms of starting opening day, quote, I didn't come here to start opening day, which was a good answer. Basically, that's not why I'm here. And I'm going to respect the decision of the manager. The manager books good with these press conferences. He also plays the media like a fiddle because he, he tries to be a stand-up comedian. And sometimes he's funny. And sometimes it's like, all right, book, just, you know, shut up. All right. Just, just talk baseball. Your mispronunciation of Chipotle. Yeah. Not that funny. I'm sorry, <laughs> but a lot of times he is funny and I love bucks. I don't take this as me hating on buck. All right. Buck's great. But buck was honest that in the past, there have been guys who've been bothered about not getting the opening day start. He doesn't expect it to be a problem. He's talked to both guys. He had a smile in which he said, maybe our decision will surprise you. He did kind of point that out. Uh, there is the idea, I think you brought this up actually, Pete, on the Rico a few weeks ago when we talked about Max and Justin, that one of your options is to give one of them the regular opening day and the other one the home opener. The Mets are in a weird but cool spot, and Buck loves it. He talked about it a lot on his own during the press conference where they're opening the season with seven straight games. But it guaranteed seven straight games because the games are on the road in the dome. So there's no risk of a rainout. There's no... Because early in the season, there's always a ton of rainouts. And so your schedule gets effed up. Your rotation gets effed up. You can plan it, and then the weather gods laugh at you because you really can't plan it. Barring, as Buck said, a hole in the roof or a UFO invade South Florida, we shoot it down and claim it's a balloon. I'm not saying that's the case. Uh, they're going to play seven straight games. They're going to play four in Miami. They're going to play three in Milwaukee. So... You got, I mean, everybody's pitching. Like, there's no extra day. We'll move guys around, which again is even more of a reason, at least at a camp, to come out with a six man rotation. I don't want to harp on this forever, but I do think it's a good idea because think about it right out of the gate. There's no extra day of rest. More times than not, coming out of the gate, everybody's got an extra day of rest because there's that built in off day usually after opening day. There are rainouts. There's just off days, regular scheduled off days. The Mets aren't going to have that until they get back because they're playing seven straight games before they finally start to get off days. So I'd go six-man rotation right out of the bat and have whoever started the first game pitch the finale in Milwaukee, and then obviously whoever pitched the second game open up at City. 
if that's not what Buck does, if you want to have one pitch the home opener, one pitch the season opener, you'd have to put the second guy in game three. So you'd be splitting up Verlander and Scherzer, which fine. Like I, I always thought that was overrated about guys pitching in order. Oh, I want to break up the lefties or I want to have a soft tosser after a hard thrower. I really don't think that matters. I don't. I, I don't think in this day and age it matters with as much film and the iPads and people studying pitchers. I don't think it's like screwing up your timing one game to another. But if that's important and that's how you have to manage egos and that's a big part of managing a baseball team and you can say to Justin Verlander, hey, Justin, Max is getting the season opener, but you know what you're getting? You're getting a standing ovation at City Field when you start the city opener. I think that's a great compromise. So I think you said it a few weeks ago, so I give you credit, Pete. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. He will because he listens to the podcast. You don't understand this. The (laughs) the podcast is so big now that that Buck is listening. But the one thing I will say is, and I don't want to do it, and it's so early in the season, and I don't think that Buck's going to sit there and strategize this way. But if you're starting with your best pitcher, Alcantara is going to get the start from from Miami. We we pretty much clearly that's that that makes the most sense, right? Yeah, of course. You're probably going to wind up against Milwaukee's five, and then if they have a five man rotation, one two. Does that go into Buck's mind frame of we're going to give our stud? Or we're going to try to match up our pitchers there to their one two as well. No. No, not too early to see. Is it too early in the season for that? I don't like doing that in general anyway, Pete, because I like to say if you've got an ace, I'm going to throw my ace right at him and I'm going to beat him. Like, I I don't like the idea of, ooh, let's put our fourth starter against their ace because it's going to be tough to win. And then we'll have a greater starting pitching edge the following day. I, I, I think during the regular season, for the most part, I throw my rotation out there. You know, you're going to face some pretty good pitchers right out of the gate. Usually teams. Best pitchers are pitching early, obviously. So I wouldn't look at it that way. I would look at more look at it more as where do I want guys pitching? You know, maybe you have a preference to having one guy pitch in Milwaukee versus Miami or vice versa, or more starts at home, or I don't know. Like Senga, I could see wanting to get two starts in on that road trip before coming back to City Field. Why you ask? Because of the weather control that you have playing in Miami and Milwaukee. Do you want Kode Senga's second major league start in the United States to be in 45-degree weather, potentially? I mean, that's on the table. Now, he's going to make a start at City Field. It's going to be his third start of the year, at least. I'm not saying you could avoid it forever, but I could see, hey, you know what? Let's have this guy who's pitched in domes a lot in his career pitch in two domes right out of the gate. Like I could see something like that, but I wouldn't overthink who I'm facing. I wouldn't think that. By the way, speaking of the Brewers, who the Mets are facing, what they pulled with Corbin Burns is embarrassing. So if you're not aware of this, they went to arbitration. Corbin Burns, who's won a Cy Young, asked for $10.7 million. The Brewers offered $10.1, and it literally went to a case, to a trial, essentially. And so here are the Brewers sitting there arguing against Corbin Burns, basically explaining why he doesn't deserve $10.7 million. As I saw one guy on Twitter describe it, passingly, so I don't follow the guy and I forget his name. The Brewers were arguing that a guy who's won the Cy Young shouldn't make a fifth of what Aaron Judge makes. And so 
I'm not saying hand out free money, but be smart. Don't have a fight with a guy that I assume you're going to want to have on your team long-term. Don't insult him over essentially $600,000. Stupid. Speaking of which, and we'll get back to Buck and everything he said, Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo, I thought, handled the contract question brilliantly. Because I know as an interviewer, there are certain things you could say to me that are going to disarm me. For example, if you look at me, or say it over the phone, I guess, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Well, I mean, what the hell am I going to do? You just told me it makes you feel uncomfortable. I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Now, there are times in which you're making someone feel uncomfortable with an interview, but they're not telling you you're making them feel uncomfortable. So when Pete Alonzo is asked, hey, Jeff McNeil got his contract. What about you? Pete starts off by saying, I'm happy for Jeff. I love the Mets. Talking about my contract makes me feel uncomfortable, which, by the way, totally fair. Who wants to sit here talking about how much money they're being being paid? Like, I don't sit here talking about my contract negotiations with WFAN. I don't sit in here and say, well, here's what they're paying me. Here's what I want. Like, it is uncomfortable. So I I agree with Pete. He he pretty much disarmed everybody by saying that. And look, anything he says to the media is irrelevant in terms of his negotiation or his agent's negotiation. I, I think that anytime you allow a guy to get to free agency, and Pete is still two years away, so it's not as if we're one year away. You run a risk. You really do. We saw it with DeGrom. We saw it with Freddie Freeman with Atlanta. You see it a lot. Freddie Freeman, I think, is the best example. Forget DeGrom. Freddie Freeman, no one could have imagined leaving the Atlanta Braves. And we still don't know what happened. We still don't have any idea what happened. So when you allow a guy to get to free agency, and we almost saw it with Aaron Judge, he came oh so close of becoming arson judge and signing with the San Francisco Giants. So I'm not telling you, hey, if Pete gets the free agency, he's definitely gone, but it's risky. It's just, it's a risky proposition. So I'd rather them work something out with him long-term. I don't know where they are in negotiations. I just think the Pete contract is a lot more complicated than the McNeil contract because we're talking about a lot more money and a lot more years. And I don't blame Pete for saying, hey, it starts at 250. I don't blame him for saying that. And and maybe his agent's going to tell him, Pete, I know you want to be in New York. You have been healthy your entire career. You hit a crop load of home runs in a really good year last year. I think it's going to benefit you to not sign. And as much as you want to be a Met, you will do better financially if you go out and play 150 games this year, 150 games next year, hit 40 home runs each year, and get there to be a bidding war. And confidence, Steve will take care of you. No worries. You'll be back with the Mets. But it's tough to demand or get that kind of money when you don't have the control of negotiating with other teams. I'm not that confident that Alonzo deal is going to get done because, again, I'm factoring in what his agent's telling him. I think the Mets should be proactive, and I'm sure they are, but they're only going to do it at their price. Not going to hand them a dumb contract. So, I don't know what's going to happen, but Pete certainly disarmed us by saying it's uncomfortable for him. Well, you just made me feel uncomfortable. Why? Because you just said he's going to hit free agency and he's going to demand them a lot of money. And who's to say that the that Steve Cohen's going to go out there and match that because he needs to make a smart business decision. If he's smart, Steve Cohen, who knows what he's going to do next offseason. If by the time 
Pete Alonso gets to free agency and we have so many contracts out there. Listen, again, money seems to be no problem to Steve Cohen, but that doesn't mean he's just going to go above and beyond to sign everybody. Agreed. Agreed. I agree with you. So that to me, and it's not to like start to be panic mode and anxiety, like, oh, shit, here we go. We're going to lose another guy. But to see Pete Alonso, listen, I, w- I want Pete Alonso to be a Met for life. We wanted Jake to, Jacob DeGrom to be a meth for life. Clearly, things happen in life. But you see Pete Alonzo. He screams New York Mets. He's done everything right. If for some reason he goes out there and the Mets like, you know what? We're fine without you. That would sting a little bit. It really of would. Course, of course it would. I mean, I'm not telling you that it wouldn't suck and it wouldn't worry me if he got to free agency. I'm just trying to analyze this fairly. I, I could understand why more from Pete's end of things – his agent and him say, I'm not going to get the kind of deal I want when I don't have the leverage of free agency. Jeff McNeil did not get some kind of magical contract. Brandon Nimmo wasn't going to get that contract from the Mets a year ago at this time. He wasn't. He benefited from not only having a really good walk year, but getting a free agency. So it's a, it's a dance that goes two ways, is all I'm saying, Pete. It's not the Mets just simply deciding, Pete, you're back. You have to convince him to come back, and you have to do that with a lot of money and a lot of years. And I don't know if they're going to be willing to do it until they're threatened by somebody else like they were with Nemo. Did they reach an agreement with arbitration, or did they have to go for an arbiter at all? At made this a deal. With him? They did. They made a deal. And next year's going to be the same thing. And that will be a tell as well. If they keep on making those, you know, not go- coming to a deal before having to go to an arbiter. Because there's no reason to do it for for I'm sorry, but when you're talking about like point five million dollars, right. you're talking about there's and, no reason to sit there and go to the arbiter. And Pete talked about it uh, the other day when he was meeting the media on Wednesday that he has a record amount of money for a first baseman in arbitration. I think it passed Ryan Howard. He talked about how great that is for the future generation, which is right. You know, you make this money sometimes, yeah, you get it and it's great, but you're also setting the bar for the guys after you. I'm not worried. We're, we're two years away from free agency. Two, this isn't Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge was one year away. Yeah, but you said agency. it, dude. You're the one who brought it up. Well, hell I'm bringing up the fact that I, I don't <laughs> think it's a lock that there's a long-term contract anytime soon. I, I, think about this, Pete. Shohei Otani will pick his team a year before Pete Alonso gets the free agency. Oh, my God, dude. Think this about is- that. Right, as we, far we, as oh my God, you're talking about I'm not. I'm just saying. Pete was asked about it, and hopefully he's never asked about it again because it's two years from now. What are we going to do? We're going to ask him about his contract all the time. Plus, it makes him uncomfortable, and we don't want Mister LFGM to be uncomfortable. He's our guy. He is our guy. 